I'm excited about today's topic because when I think of this topic, I think George. That's what I think. <laughs> what comes to mind when I say human connections, George? Because that's our topic today. What comes to mind when I say that to you? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Actually, your old dog Cooper is what comes to me first, <laughs> the black lab. And I feel like a human embodiment of Cooper, just you know, wanting to meet everybody, hear their stories, connect with them, connect people I know with other people I know. I think, oh man, you guys would be the best people to get into that. And just understanding what drives people, all that stuff. Yeah. Cooper was a pretty big embodiment of this concept that I'm thinking about. Oh, he's great. He was great with people. So today I want to talk about human connection. I think this is right up your alley because this is something that you do well, but I'm bringing this up because I think it's really important. I think we get really busy in our businesses being just heads down, running the business. We want to get things done. We want to get results. Got to drive, 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 do, do, do. And it's really easy to forget that what's happening, like what's making it all go is humans. And we're not doing and responding in a way or being intentional about how we approach this from a very human standpoint. And so we think about human connection as being really important for our overall well-being, right? Yes. Pretty safe to say we all know this. But it's not just that it's good for humans. It's actually also good for business. And that's really what I want to talk about today. Is there actually a thing that's good for both? And I am making the case that yes, there is. Welcome to The Belief Shift, the show that explores what you really need to know about building a successful small business. I'm your host, Camille Rapaz, small business coach and consultant who spent too much of her career working in corporate business performance. And I'm George Trapeau, your co-host and her brother. I'm a leader in the tech world, bringing my corporate perspective, but mostly my curiosity. Together, we're exploring beliefs about success and how to achieve it, but mostly we're bringing practical solutions so you and your business can thrive. So I'm putting this idea of creating human connections out there, and it kind of sits in this same category for me as the last topic, last episode, which was the learning organization when it comes to business. I think of both of these topics as things that are like inherently, of course, we're like, those are really good ideas. Why wouldn't I want to do that? Like, it's sort of hard to argue against wanting more human connection, wanting to learn. Yeah. And yet they're just also inherently missing in a lot of business. And I think it's because, they, I mean, it sounds nice, it's warm and fuzzy, but then that's also why it can be easily dismissed. Sometimes we talk about these things as like the soft skills in business, yeah, right? Exactly thinking but that. But we yeah. also know the soft skills are the most critical skills mm-hmm. and they are the harder things to do. And so mm-hmm. in a way, I think we kind of use this term soft skills to make it sound like they're not as important. Right. But they're critically so important, critically like leadership, critically important, but it's also seen as a soft skill. Yeah. When it, you know, I would argue, no, it's actually a really hard skill, not just hard, difficult but hard as in the way we would define every other skill in your business that is essential to it being successful business like marketing. We got to find a different term for that because you're you're right. It's not soft at all. It's like qualitative versus quantitative skills or something. When I'm interviewing for people, what I, I tell my interview team is, don't worry about the tech screening so much. The tech stuff, we'll get an idea of where they are, but you can teach the technical stuff. That's very easy. Everything else is much more important, whether they can get along with the team. Yeah, I totally agree. Soft skills is a bad term for it. Somebody's probably made a better term for it. We'll have to look around. But yeah, so that's really what we're talking about today is I want to talk about this idea of human connection 
And not just talking about it from the perspective of it's just better for you as a human. I really want to talk about how do you do this? How do you leverage this idea of human connection to create, well, it's business well-being, but also better business performance. Both of those things will happen. Are you ready? Awesome. I'm ready. Rolling right into it. So let's just talk about this idea of getting better results, because I really want to emphasize that, again, this isn't just because it feels good. It actually is good for business. That's a point I really want to drive home here. Okay. So I want to start with just some examples. The first example I have is about your team. And we've talked about the definition of team. You know, we usually, we typically think of this as employees, but could also be vendors, contractors, anybody who's helping you as part of the team of getting things done in your business, right? Yeah. From this perspective, the example would be, say, assigning your team a set of tasks and a deadline Mm -hmm. versus learning what actually drives your team to get Uh, the right work done at the right time. Yeah. At first, I think, look... I like independence. People like their own autonomy a lot. So assigning a team, a set of tasks and a deadline, as opposed to micromanaging them and saying, here's everything I need you to do. And I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it and giving no control. So at first, this assigning your team a set of tasks and deadline, it sounds pretty, you know, independence driven, which is good. But if you don't know how they like to go about the task, if you don't know how they like to receive information, if you don't know what context they need and to be fully enabled, which is the second thing you're saying, then right, hands off, it's not respecting him. It's aloofness. It's mismanagement. Yes. The reason that I brought this example up is because I think we tend to believe, well, my job is to do that. Exactly. Set them a set of tasks and a deadline and then let them go do it. Right. At best, I'm not micromanaging and I'm doing that. And that seems great. But, and we'll talk about how to do this in a minute. So right now I just want to talk about the actual things. Okay. So this one is, I say the learning what drives them because you're starting to build some independence into them approaching this work beyond just, hey, go get these things done. Mm -hmm. And that requires another level of connection with them as humans to really understand what does drive them. And so how they can then leverage that into doing better work. It's an important distinction. So I'm glad you mentioned that micromanagement aspect because yeah, it's like, we're already doing better than micromanaging, right? By just like, here's the task and here's the deadline. But there's another level beyond that makes it even better, which is really if you're more intentional about connecting with them. Yeah, absolutely. So that's example one. Again, we're going to come back to that example and we'll dig into, well, how do you actually do this? Okay. So the second example I have is in hiring. So both these first two are kind of the more obvious places, right? Because these are about people. So hiring, we, of course, we want to hire the most qualified person. Sometimes we're doing that the most qualified person on paper, like they Mm, technically the skills look good, right? They got all the right stuff, got all the right experience. So it's that versus understanding if that person is actually like a cultural fit for your team. Not just do they have the skills. So kind of what you were just saying earlier, right? Like it's not just do they have the skills because I can teach skills, but do they have that cultural fit for the team? And in order to figure that out, you have to make more of a connection with that person. You absolutely do. Because when you're working with people, they're not working on paper. You're working with them. You're interacting with them. Absolutely. Okay. So number three example of how this improves your business is in the offers, the products and the services that you create. So when you're creating something that you want people to buy, that's what my business is about. I make something that I want people to buy from me. 
that offer that I have for them, often we're out there just creating that based on our own experience and expertise and what we think everybody needs or wants, right? And especially for people who are working as an expert in your field, you feel like you're confident you know. Absolutely. What you don't know is what your exact audience, your potential clients, how they think about what they want and need, their Mm -hmm. version of that. And that requires another level of connection beyond you just being an expert in a topic and deciding exactly how you're going to deliver this thing to them. And that is what's going to give you then a better offer, a product or a service. It will be better when it's more in line with what they want because it's what they want. So they're going to buy it instead of what you (laughs) want. So that's my third example of making this other level of connection to the actual humans that will buy your thing is going to improve your offers. I could totally see myself falling into that trap because I think of myself as a pretty empathetic person, but I'm also, when I get excited about something, I get very enthusiastic. I can have picture this wave of enthusiasm liquid of washing over me and crowding out the empathy. So I just think, oh, it'd be so cool if everybody, I could share this with everybody without asking, you know, would you actually like this peanut butter, mustard and pickle sandwich? Yes. We are all susceptible to this. This is a big one. I don't think I've met a business owner who hasn't had that aha moment of like, oh, I thought my clients were really going to like that, but it's not going so well. An idea that we thought was brilliant, but then it kind of fell flat, you know? Mm. So this is important. And it's because they just didn't take the time to make that connection to understand their clients in that moment. Right? Yeah. It's cool. So my last example is being a small business owner. So being a small business owner can be lonely. Many of us do not know other small business owners in our friends and family group. And so you can work alone either because you don't want to bother anybody, right? Who Mm -hmm. might also be a busy small business owner or because you have this belief that you should just be able to do it all on your own, which is also just our society makes us feel like we're supposed to, you know, pull ourselves up from our bootstraps and make this thing all happen on our own. Yeah. Versus... If you take the human connection approach, you find community, you find a community of business owners to connect with and who you can also learn from. Rick, so many thoughts to me. First of all, I love that thought because it's talking about human connection. The idea of getting coaches or personal mentors for us is good. When I think about it as a support group, like my wife, she's the executive director of a nonprofit. She's got nobody to talk to about I mean, she can talk to me about it, but I'm not running a nonprofit. She's part of a group of nonprofit exec directors and they meet and talk all the time and she gets a lot of value out of it, which is great. I think part of forming a community of interest, I think is important, but also staying connected with people who've known you for a long time is probably more valuable than you might think. It's so important and it is so hard. I see so many business owners that they are just really struggling to find the right community to be part of. Because it also, as a small business owner, it's maybe not just any other small business owner. Because there's just also like, I need to kind of relate and connect with this. That's a wide range of people. So anyhow, I don't want to get too far into the how, because we're going to talk about that next. Before we get to the how, we've talked a lot about why does it matter for the people? Like, of course, it's better for people. It's going to make us happier, more connected, blah, 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 blah. That's all good. But why is it better for the business? Like, what do you think this shift in approach? How does it actually give better results? For one thing, morale is hugely important. If you have a connection with your people, chances are the morale is going to be better because they feel understood, not liked, 
understood. And if they feel understood, they understand you and they feel like you understand them. They're feeling more secure in the job and the morale is higher and they're more likely to stay. So if you want to reduce turnover and have yeah. a better foundation for a team, that kind of connection, like I said, you don't have to be friends, but just show them that you understand each other is important. We'll just stop there. I think that's a huge one. I think that's huge too. I mean, turnover is really costly for any business. It's time consuming. It's financially costly. There's so many reasons to want to have a very satisfied and high functioning team. And I think the second part of that equation on the having a high performing team is if you are connecting to what drives them, as we talked about, they are going to be just more effective in their job. Oh, yeah. They're going to be more efficient. They're going to need to come to you less also, right? They're going to demand less of your yeah. time because the time you do spend with them, you are really empowering them or motivating them or giving them what they need in order to just do that work better when they're out there on their own. It's just better to know how to delegate to them, what to delegate to them, which is so powerful for management because you'll know what they can and want to do and what to take off your plate. Yes. Much more. Yeah. And I have teed up for us to do a whole episode just on delegation. It's not obvious out of the gate necessarily how to do it well. So we will talk about that in the future. But yeah, that delegation piece is so important to getting right. And doing delegation right starts with this human connection idea. That's cool. This idea connects to hiring going beyond just technical skills, right? Mm -hmm. If you have the right people on your team, like you were talking about pulling the team in, again, we'll get to the how in a minute, but just that idea that it actually connects with everyone else, that you are improving the overall human connections on your team as you think about bringing people in and not just like dropping any old person into the mix. That doesn't mean you want an echo chamber. You still want diversity. I'm not arguing against having diversity. I am arguing for creating a diversity culture that is aligned around your business mission, your business vision, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. So that's going to help because everybody's going to be on the same page about what we're doing and how we work together. Things will just flow much more easily in the business. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this just from the business owner perspective and that overall well-being of being part of a community. Mm -hmm. It's great, right? Like your example of Savita having that core group of people who are doing similar work to what she's doing. That's just got to be so just relieving for her to have a place where she can talk about her work with people who really understand when she says, I have problem X, they get it in a way you and I can't get it. But beyond that, I think where it really starts to benefit the business itself is that you will learn from other people in your community faster Mm -hmm. than if you're out there by yourself. Faster. Yeah. Faster. It's just faster, right? Yeah. They're going to share some bit of knowledge with you. Like, Hey, I found this great tool that I've been using. It might help you with that problem you have. Wow. You just solved my problem. I could have spent weeks never coming across that tool. That's so true. There's little things like that, that we underestimate the value of just people sharing their experiences, giving us new knowledge much more quickly than if we're, we can't possibly try all the things on our own. Right. So I think that's a really critical reason for just making those human connections so that you can actually learn things that help your business grow faster. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Absolutely. All right. Should we talk about how, cause that's the fun part. Yeah. Let's talk about how. Okay. So I want to bring back this idea that we started in the last episode. Was it just the last episode we started this? Yeah. Where you, we created your business, the marching magicians. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. I want you to put on your small business persona as the okay. founder of marching magicians. And we're going to go through some scenarios of how we would do this. 
And so we're going to do it for each of these four topics, the team, the hiring, the offers that you build, and then business ownership. So we'll talk about those four topics. And what we'll do is we'll start with the what not to do, and then we'll go to the (laughs) how would George do it. Okay. So again, we're going to do this, everybody listening, George's answers are literally just going to be George's answers on the fly. Right. Not feeding Mm -hmm. them to him. So these aren't going to be perfect answers. They're going to be George's answers. But I think that's Mm -hmm. important because it's also just like, how do we meet ourselves where we're at as we're thinking through doing this? And then I'll add in my color commentary to improve on his ideas. All right. So team performance. You're running your little marching magicians business and your team is doing well. You have a little team. So that's the state that you're in. Okay. Let's just talk in general. So you have a team and you want to use human connection more with your team in order to have them be more motivated to do more fulfilling and rewarding work. You listen to this podcast and you were like, this is a really good idea. I want to do this better. Yeah. Out of the gate though, what do you think? And you might've actually seen people do this. So I'm sorry if this triggers you, George, but what are some examples of what are the wrong things to do? What is the, please do not do these things, thinking that you're making human connections with your team. Team building outings are a really good example of where it can go really right and really wrong. I got to think about how I would explain, like, what are my rules or rules of thumb for making a good team building event, but forcing people to go on a team building thing where you say, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be fun. And some people just don't want to do it. And then they're like, they're closed Mm -hmm. off. That's a mistake people can make often. I call that the forced fun. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a really important topic because you want to create this sense of camaraderie with your team, Mm -hmm. but you need to do it in a way that recognizes the diversity on your team. For example, everybody, hey, we're going to the shooting range. Some people are going to love going to the shooting range. It can be a very interesting experience. Some people are really, really not going to want to do that. That's something can really split a team on step one. And that shooting range could just be paintball, by the way. Yeah. Right. That could still really upset some people because it's too close to that idea. So you do have to be really careful about this stuff Mm -hmm. and what's going to work for people in terms of how you choose to have fun. Yeah. I always think of this too, is there's always that oversharing boss because they want everybody to like them. Yeah. I actually have to watch this for myself. I try not to overshare, but I'm very personal. I want people to get to know me. And I have to think about that boundary because I have seen oversharing bosses. Creepy. Yeah. And then it's funny that you just said creepy because it's not always creepy, but sometimes it is. And definitely for women have all been on the creepy side of it. Uh, But just in general, I think as humans, we just want to be liked. And so it can cause us to, as we're trying to make connections with our team, we think of that as, oh, connecting means being their friends. And I want to be really clear. No, it doesn't. It's not. Connecting with your team at a human level does not mean being their besties, being their friend. And definitely, we've talked about this before, but definitely this is not your family. You will hire and fire them based on whether they've got the skills to do the job, which is not how family works. Yeah. I'm not going to fire my brother if he's a bad brother. I might spend less time with him, but... I'm still going to see him at Christmas. There's different (laughs) rules here. So what you really want to go for is you want to go for respect as you're doing this, as you're approaching your team and making human connections. So let's talk about the right things to do. This is your scenario, George, for your team. So you have a team for your marching magicians business. Okay. The team's doing really well, but you are kind of starting to worry that they're not prioritizing the work the way you want them to. Yeah. 
how would you approach this through the lens of human connection? Yeah. Oh, wow. Cool question. So look, I already have faith in my team. I believe that they've got good hearts. They're trying to do good work. They're trying to do their best. So whatever they're doing, they think is right. They think is the best way to go about doing it. And if I don't think it's the best, then there's a mismatch. Maybe I'm right and they're wrong, but I don't know. Maybe they're seeing something that I don't. I just don't know. So I want to start out by, there's a couple of things I can do. Some one-on-one conversations where we just talk about how things are going. And I want to hear about how are you thinking about how are you doing your work? You're going about stuff. Teach me what you're seeing. And if I'll say, you know, hey, I've got some questions for you, maybe like I wasn't, I wouldn't have thought about that way of doing things. Have you tried this way? Have you thought about what's in my head? How does that play out for you? Maybe they have. And they said, oh yeah, I tried that. That was idiotic. Or no, I hadn't thought of that. And maybe there's a conversation to be had there. Take that to a next level and put us in a group and say, hey, let's do a review. How's everybody doing? Let's share tips and tricks and observations about what we're seeing. And maybe there's some cross-pollination that people are hearing from each other. They can learn from each other, not from the boss, because maybe there is some less optimal stuff going on, or maybe stuff is going better than I thought for things that I didn't see. And again, I will hear it out in the group, but just kind of get people talking from this kind of comes back to the previous episode about this learning mindset. Start from there and connect with that. To put the, the connection angle on it, my attitude is, like, hey, man, you're right out there doing the work. I don't have as much time as you to be right out there with our customers and with our people. Teach me what you're seeing. I want to see what you're seeing. I'm interested in learning how you're doing that. Yeah. I love what you said, teach me. I think that's like the essence of what you're trying to get to in this conversation to connect with them is to have them teach you. And so the way that this is different from, say, a traditional approach would be traditionally, we might be like, well, if I'm not prioritizing work the way I want them to, then I just need to tell them what my priorities are. Yeah. And you know what we call that in the belief shift? We call it a quick fix. You're not enabling them so that you don't ever have to do that again. So a genuine solution is one that you don't have to repeat. You want to get hmm. rid of this idea that I keep having to tell them what my priorities are so that they're keeping up with me. Instead, you want to do this conversation, right? I always think it's seek to understand. How do I first understand how they're prioritizing the work and go into it with the mind of, I might be wrong. Like, I love that you said that too. Like maybe their ideas are better. Yeah. I don't know. Yes. And the way that you talked about it, when you use that language of teach me, it brings in the language that's really important in order for the human connection to happen, which is to enter into it without judgment. You're not assessing. You're not saying, I need to know how you're prioritizing things because it's not the way I prioritize things. Yeah. That language immediately tells them you're doing it wrong. Even though you didn't literally say those words, that's how <laughs> it will get translated. So you have to yeah. be really thoughtful about what language you use in order to pull out of them And that's what I love that teach me language, right? Like, just teach me, teach me how it's going for you. And then from there, you can build into the, what does that now mean I do about these priorities and how to better align? Do I now need Mm -hmm. to teach them something back or do I need to change something about what I do? Because they're actually right. That's that other level of human connection that then in the future, you won't have to keep coming back to this problem over and over again. And that's ultimately why it's better for business. Totally agree with all of that. Yeah. All right. Let's do the second example. Hiring, huh? Hiring. Also kind of a more obvious place, but there's still a nuance here. This one makes me think of that concept of hire slow and fire fast. Yeah. And I definitely agree with hire slow. 
and it can be painful, but you do need to hire slow. So we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. But I want to make a comment about this fire fast because okay. I do hear this phrase a lot and people might've heard it. And it, I think you could misinterpret the fire fast. If you are not doing a good job inside your business of providing feedback, setting clear expectations and setting people up with the right opportunities to learn and improve, then yeah. you could get in a position where nobody is ever going to be good enough and you are firing fast all the time. And it's not because they aren't the right people. It's because you aren't setting them up to be successful. So you do have to be careful here that if you find that you're firing fast and you keep doing it, you might be in this cycle of there's something inside my system of work for these people that isn't working for them. So I just want to put that out there as I have seen people fire fast when they didn't even give a thought to how can I help that person do this job better? And I think that's a missed opportunity. You can't always coach somebody and teach somebody into doing the job the way you want them to, but it is a mistake to not try. Yes. That whole topic is also for another episode when we talk about hiring and how to do that well. But I just wanted to make that small point about this hire slow and fast and how we think about it. So if you are doing a good job with hiring and onboarding and good development practices in your business, then yeah, you should quickly dismiss people because we also tend to hang on to people longer than we should when we know inherently they're not the right fit for my team or my business because we want people to like us and we don't want to be mean. Yeah. And I think that's where that phrase comes in. I think what I do agree with is identify problems early. Doesn't mean you have yeah. to fire. You identify a problem. Okay, I saw a problem. You're gone. It's like, no, identify a problem and address it very quickly yeah. while it's still small. There's probably plenty of chance to course correct before you have to fire. Yeah. I think, so. I think that's the thing. Finding the problems sooner rather than later, which means you have to be looking. Yeah. And we don't really like to do that. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk okay. about all the things, maybe not all the things, maybe just a few things, because otherwise yeah. we'll be here all day. But what are the wrong things to do when hiring and trying to make a human connection? Well, uh, you know, not that it applies to this podcast, but nepotism. Hiring <laughs> 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 friends and family. <laughs> yeah, that's taken the human connection too far. You know, going by referral, mm -hmm. I've, I've seen this a lot of time when you're in a team and somebody says, I got the perfect person for this role. When I hear that, I immediately get on protective mode. It's like, okay, maybe you do. Thanks for the referral, but we're still going to vet this person fairly. The few bad hires I've had in the past 10 years have been because I've gotten a referral from somebody who really wants them on the team. And they say, I've got the right guy for you. I don't know why it was the right guy, but that's that's no reason to stop vetting and look for cultural fit and everything. Yes, I agree with this 100%. My comment was around just that hiring of friends and family, but it relates to also just this referral concept, which is mm -hmm. doing that, believing that that's going to make it easier because you already have some kind of connection. They're my friend. They're my family. Of course, it's going to work out. But guess what? The business is not a family. Sometimes that can work really well if you make the right agreements, but I've seen it go badly for a lot of people because they made all these assumptions about how well this would work out with this friend or this family. And then it didn't because they ended up basically taking advantage of that relationship. Ugh, yeah. So these are the ways where human connection can all go wrong. Also in hiring, don't ask personal questions. Like there's rules here, people. You cannot yeah. get personal about these people. So- that leads us to how do we do this well? Okay. Your company, George, is doing really well. 
and you're hiring. Woohoo! Yeah. But your team is really small and it's really important to you that the cultural fit is right because it's really jiving right now. So what kinds of things do you do? What kinds of things would you ask in an interview in order to make this other level connection with them mm-hmm. to not just suss out their skill set, but you're really looking at, is this going to work with my team? You've touched on this a little bit already, but expand on how you would do that. Well, I think, first of all, I think we let's understand what kind of business we're running. We're running a people-based business. A big part of our value proposition is that we are going to energize our clients. So anybody I bring into this they have to have the mechanical skills to understand the area, but we also want them to bring in enthusiasm and the ability to engage with people. So this is something we're testing for. So I'll tell them, look, I don't need you to be a cheerleader. That's not what I'm looking for, but I want to see how you engage others, how you observe how people learning and you adapt to that. So we'll ask questions along those lines. I'll ask them to give examples about when have you connected with other people? Tell me experience you had working with the team where together you're building on a goal. You're going to ask questions like that. I'll prepare my team for interviewing this person because I'll pick a couple of people on my team to ask them questions and I'll remind them, hey, you're not hiring a friend here. You're hiring somebody who can do what you do, which is to connect with clients and activate them. So think that way, not a friend, somebody who connect and give them a chance to show their best, help them be comfortable in the interview. But can you help them show you what energy they can put into a job when they feel really good about it? I like that. You know, I often have seen people in interviewing scenarios where if somebody showed up and they seemed nervous that they made that a knock against them. Yeah. And I always hated that because I'm like, of course they're nervous. They're trying to get a job. That's nerve wracking. What about if your job was to help put them at ease and then to see how they accept that? Like that is a great way to use a human connection in an interview, yeah. you know, as you're hiring is to acknowledge like, ah, it's kind of stressful, isn't it? It's been a long time since I've had to interview, but I remember what that feels like. And just acknowledging it and then moving them through it so that they can feel more comfortable that's a human connection you can make with a person that then you can see how they respond to it, which will tell you every, because maybe they respond poorly to it. Like they just don't like it. They don't relax into it. Then you might know, like for me, that would be a sign of, oh, you might not be right for my team. You might be too walled off. Right. Yeah. But if they relax into it, then I'm like, oh, this is good. I could, I could see, I could totally work with this person because I have was able to move them from this spot to this spot in this conversation. I've never thought of it quite this way before, but you gave me a thought, which is a lot of people when they're interviewing, especially hiring managers, think that they want, one of the things they want to find out is how does this person do under pressure? Because my job is full of pressure and you're always going to, you know, everybody thinks they're going to have to put their employees in a position of dealing under pressure. Okay, sure. But that doesn't mean the whole interview environment needs to be about that. In my opinion, I'm getting data about the candidate and the best data is when you're most comfortable and relaxed. So for most of the interviews, I'm going to tell you, look, I want data from you and I want you at your best. Your best is your most comfortable. If you're not feeling comfortable, tell the interviewer, we're going to ask you questions, but we're not going to put you on the spot necessarily. If there's a section where we really want to see how you perform under pressure, then make that one of the interview spots and tell them, okay, this one is designed to see how you handle pressure, not the whole process. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that. That whole approach to hiring of creating just this stressful environment. Let's just see how they do. Like I'm just, you know, throwing them to the wolves. And it's like, that's not really how work is. Or if your company is like that, you probably should fix that. Like that's not how work should be, right? Yeah. It shouldn't be everybody's just thrown to the wolves and like, you know, survival of the fittest. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's spot on. So this is where that importance of making a human connection so you can really see what somebody's like. What are they like at their best? That will tell you a lot about what they can do when they're in a stress environment. If you do have stress environments, I do agree with you. Set up a very specific interview scenario for that, but don't have that be the only thing that you're checking because it's not realistic that that's all they're going to do. No, no, not at all. So that's hiring. This does warrant a whole episode. So we'll do that in the future. There's so much we can talk about here, but hopefully that gives people some sense of a little bit of the difference in how you would do it. All right. Number three, how do you create your best product or service? Hmm. Plenty of us have either bought a program or a product or something. And then we were like, this isn't what I needed. I thought it was what I needed, but it's actually not. And then you're disappointed, right? So in order to not be that business owner, who's creating a fabulous stuff and putting all this energy into things, but we're really doing it for us and not for our clients. Mm -hmm. We have to think about more human connection. So some of the wrong things to do. Do you have any thoughts about this, George? Wrong things to do? Yeah, I think so. If you get in the mode where you think you're going to talk to your clients, like you're getting an input session, but really the input session is really to validate what you already think you know is the answer. So everything is a closed-ended question. Everything is like, if I did this, would you like that? No open-ended discovery, all closed-ended, just don't even bother. 100% agree. When you're just boxing in it, would you like option A or option B? Is that it? That's yeah. all I get? That's all I get yeah. to choose from? Like you're not really discovering anything new, right? No, not really. Yeah. And while that can be useful in some aspects of your business, we talk about like on online business, there's A-B testing. Like I'm going to test this landing page against that landing page. Sure. And that's a thoughtful scientific approach. I'm talking about the creative aspect of, I'm going to have this whole program or this whole product or service or something that I'm creating for people, for humans to consume, even a B2B, that other business I'm selling to, it's humans that are using the thing I'm giving them. And so some of the other things I would say not to do is you don't also want to go too far down this path and just do everything your client asks for. Oh, really? I mean, that's just going to be a ticket to crazy town. That's what that's going to do. Like you're just going to be made crazy (laughs) trying to satisfy every customer's every demand. Okay. So why not? sounds great. Give the customer everything they want. Just imagine the myriad of ideas and demands and craziness that people can have. Haven't you Mm. ever seen those people that they're going up to place an order and they just keep asking for more and for more. And you're just feeling so bad for the person behind the counter. Like this idea that the customer is always right Mm -hmm. only goes so far because a business can only survive with so much of that demand, especially a small business. Like we have to have some parameters. So what you do there is you Mm -hmm. basically say, oh, the people that are demanding this other thing, my product or service, it's not for them. And that's really important to do in business. Remember we talked about like the riches and the niches, riches and the niches. (laughs) This is kind of that idea of there's going to be so many ideas from customers. At some point you have to make this decision of, oh, but not that set of ideas. That's actually not for me because A, I can't have a successful business if I try to meet all those demands. It's too much for me to produce. If I had to meet all the many ways people wanted me to coach them, 
and do all the different types of formats and programs. I couldn't maintain all of that. I'm just a small business owner. I have to say, yeah, but I got to keep it to just these distinct things. Yeah. So I'm still using human connection to figure out what those are, but I still have to like, not everything because I will go crazy trying to meet the demands. I'm convinced I get that. Yeah. It's tricky. You have to have the balance. Mm. All right. So let's do a George scenario. So you are designing your first program. Actually, this brings up a good question. Who are your customers? Are the parents paying for the kids to do your thing? Are schools paying for it? Do you know? I think it's mostly schools. Maybe the PTA or some other organization that's providing funding. But the people who are going to say, we want you to come and do this thing, it's going to be the schools. Yes. Regardless of how they get the funding for that. Okay. And then the people that you're going to teach, it's the kids? Yeah. Okay. So you've got your first program. It's for the kids, but the school is your actual customer. So keep that in mind because the kids didn't buy this. They didn't know. We'll just say the school bought it. So that's who your customer is. They brought you in to help their kids. So you're going to go do this stuff and you're going to teach them. I don't know, teach them how to write music or design marching. I don't know, something like that. Right. Design marching patterns, maybe. Yeah. And so you have in your head, and you probably literally already have this, like I already have in my head exactly how I want to do this. I have this really cool idea. I can't wait to get this program up and running and launch it for the kids. You're super excited. You start to tell your team about it and they're getting all excited too. What do you do to make that human connection with those customers, the school, to ensure that this program is exactly what they want and that they start telling all their other friends at the other schools that they should hire you? Wow. Oh, man. Okay. I want to build a germ of excitement. I want to get the kids excited about this new thing they're going to learn. Maybe they don't know this new world so well. They've been doing things in an old way. They're not really understanding how the shows are designed or what they, but so I want to show them a show to take them to the experience, a live show, ideally, because what I want to do is I want to show them the end product, where they can be, the end goal. So everything okay. you just described in my brain is a great marketing sales tactic, but does it tell you how to design your program? No. So you already have this program idea in your head. You're like, I know what these kids need in order to do better. Cause you've been one of these kids literally yes. doing this, learning about marching and the professional aspect of it and like super cool. So you walking into it, like, man, if I had had this, when I was a kid, this would have been awesome. But how do you take that idea and connect with them to find out if they would be as excited about it as you are? Well, I still go back to, I want to show them real world examples. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to watch to see who's absorbing it. Actually, One way to do this is let's connect with the staff at the school and say, okay, look, we're going to build some excitement and we're going to have a couple of students be leaders for the other students and drag them in. Do you know who are your catalysts? Who are the students who other students respect? Let's take that small group and show them this experience. And then we will actually teach them, take them through the class because we know they're already excited. We'll teach them a little bit of this stuff about the program. Once they see the program, then we hope they'll spread the word to their other students and use them to help them understand, oh man, there's this great thing. we got this company that can teach us how to become a next generation program. We've actually done it. It's really cool. And maybe start with a small germ of people we take through the class. They've already excited. 
the rest of the students, we don't know their excitement level, but they trust their friends. They trust these peers. Maybe they yeah. can help them do it. And then I don't know after that. You are right there. This is still very much a sales tactic. And the way you can, so, so what you've got is you basically are talking about, I'm going to find my early adopters. These are the people that are like, of course, I want to do that thing with you, George. Yes, I'm in. So you find yes. out who those people are. And then the only thing missing in your plan is I need to put them through my program and then get feedback from them. I need to do interviews. I need to then study. Yes, and you can absolutely. do that in a very thoughtful, not the like, hey, so you liked it, right? Like you were talking about, you're going to ask all the open-ended questions about their yeah. experience so that you can really dial and be like, did I design this right? Is the format working? Is this the right amount of content for them to consume? Or did I give them too much? Because a lot of times when we're teaching, we overwhelm mm -hmm. people with knowledge. You test yeah. all these different aspects of your program with your early adopters who already really get what you're trying to do. And then you improve the program that you start putting out into the world. And I think people miss this, like, get a group that you can test it with first. Yeah, I've been thinking, I've got the product and I've done it before. So of course, it's just going to work. But you're right. Every cohort is different. Every customer in class is different. So look, I've got early adopters and I try it. The thing that has worked before for other customers isn't working the way I want it to for these guys. You're right. I've got to ask them. The other aspect of this is you might say, like, I know this works because it's worked in the past and I've seen other people do it. But this is also an opportunity for you to create a differentiator for why should I do it with your company? <laughs> because you might discover something. They're like, oh, if I just did this one other thing in my program, that differentiates me and people love it. And so I'm going to incorporate that into my program. And it's now a yeah. sales pitch, right? It's part yeah. of the sales process of like, here's what I do that nobody else does. That's true. Absolutely. Right? That's that next level of how do I connect with people on not just getting them excited about what I'm excited about, but actually getting them to help me improve the thing I'm excited about mm -hmm. from their perspective. How do I understand what they really care about in this thing to make sure I really do have this offer dialed in? Yes, absolutely. So yeah, I yes. loved walking through that with you because <laughs> I think it also demonstrates like it's not necessarily an immediate quick solution that pops in our head to do these human interactions that we think we need to have. It's sometimes hard to frame them in the way we need to, to really improve on certain aspects of our business. So you did an excellent job of proving my point. And again, audience, George really is just winging this as we go. So that was him yeah. carefully trying to think of the answer. And you just bring up this really important point of this is a struggle. This is why we have to be intentional about it. You really have to dig deeper into the like, what else could I do? What else could I do? The answer is in there, but it might take a little bit to kind of dig into really that way of making a human connection that improves the specific thing you're trying to improve. Do you have time for one more? I think so. Okay. Let's just talk about how to be, I mean, I don't know that this would ever really be a problem for you, George, to be a smarter, happier business owner, because you're kind of the <laughs> like happiest guy I know. <laughs> I think as a small business owner, it feels like we're just supposed to figure this all on our own. And it's, it is lonely. I hear this a lot from small business owners. Yeah. It's lonely out there. So going it alone, while that might feel like that's what I'm supposed to do, and I'm not supposed to need help, that's all a lie. So wherever you're being yeah. told that, just know that's a complete lie. Nobody's doing it on their own. Even if they make it look like they're doing it on their own, they are not. Nobody's yeah. doing this without help. 
There's awesome. just no way. Okay. Also, even if you are trying to do it on your own, it's not just lonely. It's the slowest path. I can't learn as fast by myself as I can. One with brain. Others. Yeah. You're just one brain. Exactly. We want multiple brains. It's also just the most boring path. So back to what you and I've talked about before, <laughs> like, this is just more fun. It's okay to make choices to do things in your business also because they are more fun. I hope so. I know. Right. All right. So what are the wrong things to do? Do you have any thoughts about this? The wrong ways to build a human connection as a business, small business owner? I'll take something from the company I work at, which is probably the, the biggest open source company in the world. You could literally download all our software if you wanted to. It's available for free, but people buy from us because of the connections we make, the support we provide. What a phenomenon we see is other companies getting involved in open source communities just to suck out the intellectual property. They never put anything back in. They just go there and they try to join to see how it works just for their benefit only. That's all they do. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. So just finding a group of like-minded people and all you do is pepper them with questions and ask and ask and ask. I mean, it's good to be curious, but people are going to be on to you pretty soon. Really, You're just leeching. What are you giving yeah. back? And if you don't feel like you have anything to give back, that's okay. You'll find a way. You don't have to become an expert. There's other ways you can give. Look for that. My version of this is joining a community or going to a networking event purely to just try and find people to be clients. Oh. As opposed to, I just want to meet people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People can sense that right away too, right? You can sense it in the crowd. Like if you are gone to a networking event, you can tell, I know why this person wants to talk to me. Even on social media, you get these cold DMs and messages, people clearly wanting to do business with you, but not just outright saying it. Like, I'd rather you just outright said it. I have this yeah. business. I think it might be for you. Is it? That's fine. I can decide yes or no. But when they're sending you this weird message of, Hey, how are you doing today? I love yeah. your post. And you're like, no, you're trying to sell me something. Don't pretend you're not. It's that weird like angle of, I'm going to pretend I'm just trying to be friends with you. But at the end of the day, I really just want this to be a financial exchange in my favor. Absolutely. Yeah. So don't do that. But yeah, that's a perfect example. Of what you just described, getting into communities where you aren't there just for the human connection aspect. Have we talked about this book, A Give and Take by Adam Grant? No. Oh, okay. We're going to talk about this book later. Okay. It's a great book. That's this concept of how the givers perform better in business than takers. Oh, and he has all these beautiful examples of what that looks like. It kind of gets into the nuances of what you were talking about where, but what if I feel like I don't have anything to give? And he talks through all of that. So if anybody's really like getting excited about this topic, that's a great book. All right. Let's do the last scenario here. Okay. As the founder, owner of Mag Marching Magicians. Marching Magicians. I keep wanting to put the magic part first. Magical marchers. Maybe I'll change the name if it's working better. <laughs> <laughs> As the founder of MM Incorporated, mm -hmm. you have realized that the only other small business owner you know is your sister. Oh, that's cool. She's oh, lovely and she's yeah. brilliant. I mean, I don't know why you think you need more than me in your life really. from a small business owner. But you do. <laughs> oh, yeah. You've realized you do. You're like, she's not available enough to me. And her advice is yeah. always the same. George, you do you. You'll be fine. <laughs> and I need more feedback than that. So what do you do? Yeah. How do you meet some, get to know other, like, what's your solution, Mr. Extrovert? 
for one thing, I'd like to find out who else is in my industry. And if I'm doing a good job, I know who some of my competition is, or people are in the general area, but addressing other niches. I want to start there, even cold calling saying, look, I'm another founder like you. We're both in the same area, but seem on two different angles. Could I buy a coffee or something and ask you about how you started your business and stuff? I just started connections. As I'm telling you this lie, I'm thinking, no, I'm not going to start with my competition, but start finding other people in the general area, but at the top. That's one way. That's a great way because it's just really straightforward too. And it's not overly complicated. Yeah. I love this because then you're taking this concept of like, who do I want in my community, in my network Mm -hmm. of people I know beyond just they do what I do. But they yeah. they live in this world that I live in and are doing from different perspectives, which is an even greater like value long term to just, oh, now I have all of these people that resources that I can tap into and learn from and connect with. So I love that idea. I think of it as these rings, these circles, like there's the center circle of people who actually do what I do. And then there's these rings that keep going out of they're more adjacent to what you do and you just keep building out. Yes. And working exactly. all those angles is how you build a really nice, you know, network. It's just fascinating to me. I know. I love it too. So me being an introvert, Mm -hmm. this has been a struggle for me. I have to really think about it. Now, I don't have any problem getting up in front of, I've I've overcome my fear of like speaking in public and I've done enough of like presenting and do, I don't have any problem doing that. But there is something about going to a networking event in a room of people I do not know. And just that initial how do I, I feel like a little kid. Like I don't know how to approach a stranger and greet them. Even though that's literally what everybody else in the room is doing. We're all doing the same thing. So there's things that I've done to sort of help me overcome that stress. So if you're an introvert and you're like, ah, network events, no. The first thing is to go in with a better objective than I have to meet people to help my business and just go in like, I might find one super interesting person today. I just might find one person that I find really interesting. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to be the most interesting person. I'm going to find somebody that I find interesting. So just flipping that around kind of takes the pressure off. I don't have to be the best person in the room. I don't have to be the most flamboyant, interesting, whatever person in the room. I just want to show up trying to find that interesting person and get to know them, right? Interesting to me. So that can really help just kind of take some of the stress out of what am I going to do when I go to this networking event? Because from there, all the fabulous conversation will flow. And by the way, people will find you fascinating the more you find them fascinating. That's something you're very good at, George. I always tell people, when you meet my brother, he's going to make you feel like the most interesting, fabulous person in the world. And Mm -hmm. therefore, you're going to love him because you're so (laughs) good at asking questions about people because you're so curious and you genuinely are. You can also do this in online communities. I actually also started my own community for a while. I was like, I'm just going to create my own group because I can't find it. So just having my own group of people that kind of got together here and there, you might have to do this sort of in a hit or miss way. Absolutely. So if you're struggling with this, like, I can't, I don't know. I've given up. I don't give up. Just keep looking for who are those people that I want to connect with and do ask other business owners if they want to just have a, it could be virtual coffee. I've done that so many times and sometimes they don't go anywhere. Most of the time they don't go anywhere. And every once in a while you're like, oh, this person, I'm connected with them for life now. I will always be able to call that person chat with them, throw an idea to them. You'll start to build this little list of who are your people, but it's not going to always work out. So you kind of have to go into it with the, this might work, this might not, but I got to try because when it does work, it's great. 
You know, I was thinking sometimes we have guests and we're going to have more guests. And I think for the audience, if they're wondering how to make these connections, just listen to a couple of those interviews because we, we don't come with a predefined script. We're just asking questions of them to learn more about them. But there tend to be questions we'll ask over and over again about how they get started, how they've gotten this industry. Were there any real big aha moments or setbacks they had? We tend to ask a lot of those questions again and again. It's good tools for how you learn about somebody else and how you connect with them. Just listen to those. Those will help you. You are spot on. And it's mostly because George is asking the questions. Because <laughs> he's very good at Thanks, this. but both doing okay. We've both gotten pretty good at it. Yeah. All right. That was yeah. all of our examples. Any last thoughts? You know, there's one thing that's talked about a couple of times and they really nailing home the point that you don't have to make friends with people to connect with them. You're seeking yeah. understanding, not friendship. There's a difference. For me, I like making friends and it's pretty easy for me. So that's good for a lot of people in a, don't want that. But if you have this mindset of, I just want to gain understanding, really takes a lot of pressure off, I think. Ah. Uh. You could not have said it better. I think that's, yes, making that distinction of this isn't about friendship. It is just about connection is really important. And I think if you do that, it maybe also will take a little bit of the weight off of what you're trying to do. And it can be a really small level of connection. It doesn't have to be connecting in this really big emotional way, or I don't know, however you might be thinking about it. Just we're talking about some small adjustments that you would make. Yeah. But to do them, because they're small, you do have to be intentional about them or you will easily skip past them. Again, back to the we're just super busy and we're trying to get a lot done and taking a minute to make this connection or I'm too tired or whatever it is, whatever we're dealing with in the moment. But if you just thought for one minute, what's one thing I could do to just connect with this person? Yeah. It can make a huge difference in the outcomes you get from that interaction with that person in so yeah. many different ways and definitely inside your business. In closing, I would say, okay. everyone listening, choose one of these areas we talked about, whether it's about your offer, about being a solo business owner or about your team and hiring, pick one of those areas and just ask yourself, what's one intentional thing I can do around making more of a human connection that would improve both the experience and the results here and try it out. And then That's definitely great. let us know what happens. So yeah, leave us a voicemail, go to the beliefshift.com and leave us a voicemail. If you try this and I mean, if you try it and it doesn't work, I definitely want to hear that because <sighs> it's not a guarantee. There are no guarantees in life. It is not a guarantee that every time you do this, it will work because that other person also has to be open to receiving it. 99.9999% yeah. of the time people will, but every once in a while, people are not always going to be wanting the black lab Cooper pup to come and greet them. I don't know who those crazy people are, but they exist. <laughs> All right. Okay. That's my guidance for everybody. That was fun. Thank you. See All everybody. Right. Thanks everybody. Back in your ears next week. Mm -hmm.